0: Are you an entrepreneur, industry expert or influencer? Did you know that speaking is one of the highest paying professions in the world? Download my free PDF checklist now and you can learn how you can become a highly paid speaker. Go to jamieabbott.com forward slash speaker guide.
1: Welcome to the Perfect Public Speaking Podcast, where you learn how to master your public speaking, how to become a paid speaker, and how to boost your business using public relations with your host, Jamie Abbott.
0: Dave Renfrew, the brains behind Newcastle Performance Physio, is a man of many talents. When he's not whipping patients back into shape, he's a proud husband, doting father of three, a football fanatic, and a science geek. But don't let that fool you. He's also a black belt in Taekwondo and a former representative rugby union player. Talk about a true Renaissance man. As a sought after speaker and industry expert, Dave co founded the Future Health Network, which is a community dedicated to helping health professionals level up their skills and improve the lives of those in pain. Now, Dave built Newcastle Performance Physio from the ground up from 2016 and now leads a team of six at the clinic, which is set to become a million-dollar powerhouse in 2023. He's about taking the latest in sports medicine and pain research and making it accessible to everyday people. With advanced training in football, martial arts, and resistance training, Dave is like a superhero for sore muscles. He opened his clinic to bring effective, modern, and patient-focused advice, education, and treatment to the people of Newcastle. He's here today to talk all about how he's built a soon-to-be seven-figure business from scratch. Dave Renfrew, welcome to Perfect Public Speaking.
1: Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I like the sound of that intro when you, all of those things are in a you know nice 20-second soundbite. Sounds amazing.
0: It is a pretty impressive background. And I guess, do you ever stop and and smell the roses and think, wow, I've actually achieved a lot? Or do you, like many other entrepreneurs, just keep on focusing on that next goal and, and do the goalposts keep moving?
1: Definitely the second one. Uh, and and probably to my own detriment in terms of how I felt about that journey and and where I'm at on it. And, and I've probably been forced to move more to the first one more often just for just for my own sanity and well-being i guess but because i'm i don't know I, and i say this to my team a lot i i just don't think you get much better with positive re- reinforcement i mean you, it's important uh, but where you get better is is what you could do better so i've just learned to look at that and focus on that and so therefore having you know still i'm still going and I'm certainly not at any destination yet then the feeling is that there's always something else, and that so, so what's that? And let's work on that. So I've, I've gotten better at that recently. Hopefully,
0: yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you have. Well, let's just <laughs> um, start from the beginning. So, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in physio and sports medicine?
1: Well, I wanted to be the soccer physio when I was at school, uh, and then uh, funnily enough, one of my Friends has been the soccer physio and he's had the career that every young physio wants. Um, but I I don't know whether I'd want his job now. I'm I sort of uh where I'm at now, I like having a clinic and I like having the flexibility of chasing some other uh you know, avenues that that, that allows me. So but it, it probably just came from like most physios. It came from interest in sport and not being good enough at sport to do that for a living. So physios probably you get to hang out with athletes and and uh, still be in sport, but not have to be as talented as as a professional. That's probably where it started.
0: Yeah, great. And can you walk us through the process of starting Newcastle Performance Physio and maybe what were some of the challenges that you faced in the beginning?
1: Probably the main challenge was just presuming that because I was fairly good at being a physio that I would know how to run a business and then being arrogant enough to just do it and back myself and then realizing that i had really no idea about how to do it that was probably the, the big challenge but yeah i think like probably a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners it just comes from a, a frustration of how things are and and the knowledge that you, if given the opportunity or if, or if you take the opportunity then you could probably do it better uh, that while that was uh, that's still the case and and that's probably helped me stick around for us for the time I have it certainly wasn't enough I had to also then get better at how to run a business because I certainly had zero training that in physio school
0: yeah right and so I guess a few lessons learned along the way I mean what have you got any that come to mind
1: um uh, people that I've hired probably would be the, the ones that have taught me the most good and bad I think the um that, that was probably early on not really having a clear idea of exactly what i was wanting to do and how i was going to do it or what maybe even what was important to me about running a business i knew what was important to me about how to be a physio but maybe an extension of of that into the actual clinic and what did I what did i want it to represent and and because it you probably didn't know it at the time but it's an extension of my identity you know like i my reputation is hinges off this place and I see the clinic as as my family's future as well. So there's a lot invested for me personally. So how that's represented in public is pretty important to me, and more so than I would have, uh, more so than I understood at the start. And so getting a lot clearer on who I get to help me run that, um, sort of how it runs day to day. That was probably the mistake at the start where I was I was hiring people just because they were there. And it sounded like they'd be they'd be cool to work with, and and then that sort of falling apart. And certainly initially, that was that was one of the bigger challenges.
0: So, what sets Newcastle Performance Physio apart from other clinics? You know, not only in the Hunter region in New South Wales, Australia, where you were based, but elsewhere around around Australia and around the world. What sets you apart?
1: Probably the best way to explain that is to. Uh, Without making myself sound like a complete dick, is um, is to tell you a story from so when I first opened my uh, my two favorite people to help are people that have uh, just snapped their ACL ligament in their knee, so big athletic injury that needs a lot of rehab, and then people that have chronic low back pain. So, two almost almost perceptually two ends of the physio spectrum, and I said this to him physio owner and business coach. And he said, you can't do that. You have to pick one. I said, well, I don't want to pick one. And he said, well, you have to do that. like, you, they're the rules. So, and I didn't do that. So one thing is that the, how things are, that's a, that's a segue into me trying to sound really unique and special is how things have been done and how they are done doesn't really matter to me. I don't really care about that. I care about what works for people and and finding out what works better and so to try and really trying to be at the front of incorporating what we know about humans and how they work into what we do day to day with people in the clinic so even even to as an example even to the extent of uh, hopefully this year we'll be able to conduct some research in the clinic on our patients so that at the end we can have a, a you know, a paper, like evidence that says this is the way we do things is it looks like it's it's better than than other ways. And and then probably the other unique thing is just the the the, the day-to-day operations of how we do it, we, we have a lot of rehab gear here in the gym. So we rather than sort of here's your exercises, Jamie, go home and do them and I'll see you whenever we would get you in here with us and we would show you how to do it and and get you to do it to a level that you needed to which just makes it easier for people to get the outcomes that they're after i think a lot of people that have recurring problems or, or do these problems again it's because the, the rehab part just wasn't good enough it wasn't hard enough or Long enough, so trying to make that easier for people to to get better outcomes.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think that definitely is what would set you apart. I know I went to a physio once, and it was just like, here are the exercises, go and do them on a piece of paper, and I never did them. So that's really no, cool that you have I don't that. Really don't. I
1: wouldn't either. I mean, that's. But I think people think that because I'm a physio, I'm this very dedicated, active, athletic person. I'm pretty hopeless. Like, if someone's going to give me some boring stuff and expect me to do it, it's just not going to happen. Like, I have to understand why and I have to be involved so that's always made it easy for me to help other people do it. Um,
0: I talked in the intro about the future health network which is something that you have set up to help other health professionals level up their skills can you tell me a little bit more about that and importantly what is the importance of continuing education and professional development for health professionals
1: well that's an easy place to start I mean I think that's probably the, the crucial thing in staying up to date with with what actually works because it can change maybe not super fast, but it will over the course of a career it will certainly change. And if if you have a set idea of what you do and how it works, times will change past you. And if you're still doing what you or things that you thought worked 10, 15 years ago, then there's a very good chance that those things are either at the best case they're not as good as they as we thought they were or there's something better or even we've come to understand that a lot of things that we used to do probably aren't very good for people. So we should probably stop doing them. So uh, having access to quality education on an ongoing basis is probably one of the most critical things for a health professional. I have the advantage of, uh, growing up without the internet. So it was a bit more structured and, and, uh, intentional where you would go whereas now you just get bombarded with information and and so so someone in pain gets bombarded with information on the internet but health professionals do too so trying to find or create somewhere there's plenty of great options obviously but trying to create somewhere where people can can go and trust that that work's already been done in trying to distill out what what we actually know and, and what's probably superfluous or Erroneous on the outside of that, and and give it like you have have it so it's easy to access for young, particularly younger and newer health professionals. Um, I guess where that came from was my career probably been a bit uh, unusual in the sense of where it's gone and and the types of people that I've um, been exposed to. And and some years ago, I was having a conversation with a colleague who I just sort of presumed that everyone. Had done what I'd done and so got experience doing it. And he he sort of there's a bit of a light bulb. He said, no, I don't know what that is. Like I don't understand that at all. And I I would get a lot of benefit from you helping me understand it. So if if I get a lot of benefit, then everyone else would too. So um, and then just so talking with colleagues, Justin and Blake, the other two guys that are that are in there around our uh, those sort of unique experiences that we've had over over time, and how that, that collectively could help people sort of fast forward through that development to get to a point where they're they're more confident and a, and a bit more skilled faster and, and easier is probably. The, the idea behind it
0: and so with the future health network you've had one event so far a big event in sydney i recall in 2022 where you had all these health professionals come and hear from you and, and the other two guys in the, in the network what's the vision for the future where do you kind of see um the future health network going
1: i think the the live courses are probably the the, the main focus because then i mean i know that from from years i'm going to one myself in, in a few weeks uh one of my academic heroes is coming to Australia, so I'm, I'm a signed-up participant. You know, so it never, it's never, never a never-ending process. But the, the live events are where you get to be in a room and and have other people there with with this person who who tends to facilitate that. So so that the knowledge transition, so you're getting from an idea or a concept into this is how I will apply it. That happens the fastest in that setting in our industry in my opinion so trying to, to facilitate that in different cities in australia would be the one of the goals of this year we had we've, we've done we've probably done three events all up and they're all booked pre-covid And then COVID just sort of blew in-person events out of the out of the water so that that one last year was catching up pre-covid and so now we're trying to uh over time we've evolved so we're, we're trying to book in Newer and better ones, but then also, you know, utilizing technology now to to make continuing education a lot more accessible and then a lot more, uh, a, lot, a lot cheaper. To be honest, for, for every younger health professional, is to have an online system, I guess, or or, or a place where we can curate a bit of a curriculum that has different options for people with with online courses, but also then accessing discussions between. Uh, clinicians which which is really helpful and is often the the main thing that um, younger clinicians will will say to us is that we don't really have people that they can bounce ideas off and talk in, a, in an environment where they're not getting criticized for not knowing the answer they're not getting they're not feeling like they're they're raising stupid questions they're, they're actually trying to in their mind they're trying to get to a point where they know how to apply these concepts that they that they somewhat understand, but they don't really know how to translate it into what they do day to day.
0: Well, and I guess one of the main things of the live events is public speaking, and so we better talk a little bit about that. Given this is perfect public speaking podcast, uh, you're one of the first to go through my paid to speak course. Actually, I think in June uh, 2022, and you have clearly done a fair bit of public speaking in the past. Well, you're certainly very good at it, and you know how important do you think that? Public speaking is to get your name out there.
1: It's. Uh, I I honestly think it's probably the key skill that a human can have, in terms of whatever they do, getting getting their message across better, and then becoming, even if it's perceived as being more successful, but being better at it as judged by your industry, it's probably the key thing that you can that you can do so you you can't be terrible at what you do you, you still need to know what you're talking about in some way shape or form but i know lots of clinicians in my industry that are experts and yet they they're incapable of translating what they know to another person and certainly the you know the my, technology may change this in the future when we all talk to robots but over human history humans talking to each other is how we translate knowledge through generations so we're built to listen to people speak and if we do it well then the messages that we carry get across so much better than if we're terrible at it so I've always been comfortable speaking but that's because I'm a massive show-off whether I've been any good at it or not is a different story so like you sort of think of you know what you what you're saying is one thing, but then how you say it is is at just another level. So that certainly for me as a as an educator uh, and even a clinician here in the clinic, like I still have to talk to people. That's what I do. So getting better at how you do that, the the upside to that is pro- I would say is infinite. I don't know where the how much better you can get at it, but the the return on that I think is probably the biggest of any generic skill that a, that a professional could have.
0: Totally agree. I always say he or she who puts his best point of view forward wins. Um, as I always also say, you don't have to be the best at what you do. You just need to be the most well-known. So that brings me to talk about PR and marketing. Have you always done this yourself or have you outsourced to people who are experts in that kind of field?
1: I've done a bit of both. So I, I think, and, and certainly i you know i I say this to physios and i speak to my industry it may be different in other industries but i think you need to know what you're doing even if you don't have to do it all yourself so my experience of it was i started and i got someone else to do it but because i didn't really understand what they were doing i ended up wasting money on it on things that i didn't need that weren't really for me after that, I ditched them and I and I spent more time on it myself. However, that's not what I do for a living. So I'm not as good at it as someone else could be. And it's time that I need or I can better dedicate to what I actually do and what I'm actually good at. But it did give me an understanding of what what needs what it needs to look like and and certainly the message that I want to convey, that's mine. And now I I outsource it to people that I trust and that I have been able to vet for quality, but I let them do what they're good at and I do what I'm good at. So, and that's, I think that's the best system. So I think you need to have some understanding of what they do and and certainly quality control, who you let, who you, who's on your team, who's going to help promote you, but then you let them do what they're good at and you concentrate on what you're good at.
0: I love that, except when it comes to email signatures, <laughs> <laughs> which I know you, uh, you attempted to do yourself recently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I mean, uh, the, that's, that's where the, the age thing, like growing up on the edge of the internet, like I'm, I am certainly more uh, computer literate than my father, but I'm not, you know, the, some things are just outside my scope of practice and I'm happy with that. That's cool.
0: For sure. So can you talk about some of the marketing or PR strategies that has probably been the, the most successful approach for you in perhaps attracting new patients?
1: So Google Google is useful, um, and I think having a digital presence that that's effective is really important, uh, particularly as certainly my industry has become much more competitive locally over the last 10 years. Uh, people are still searching for you online, so if you're not there, you're not there. So I think that sort of combo of web, website and accurate information and paid Google advertising is an important environment to curate. In my industry, word of mouth is still very important, both with people who refer, so doctors and specialists and things like this, even because we see a lot of active people, even coaches and, and gym owners and things like that. So communicating with them, but probably the way that I've been able to access more people that perhaps others haven't has been with social media and and advertising on social media, uh, just as a and and often the the uh, I, I cop a bit from people that I know in the local area that that say, "Oh, can you get your face out of my off my phone? Because all I see is your face when I open my phone up." And I'm like, "Well, that says more about you being on your phone than than me." So, but often it's just my it's just like the video now. It's my head pops up and I just I just try and. Because it, it aligns closely with what I try and, what we try and do in the clinic here is promote better messages around how humans work and what actually works for problems. So a lot of the time I'm just saying things that I say here in the clinic, but I get to say it to thousands of people instead of one at a time. So that's, that's a way that I've found uh, people have found us and certainly they've been able to identify what it is we do much sooner by hearing from from us before they even sort of know where we are or what we do
0: yeah so yes. true i think those people who are probably seeing you may have gone to your website because i think i said to you recently you kept coming up on my facebook feed that was because i had gone to your website uh to look up the phone number to book in a friend um to see you so that means it's working right if they're seeing your your face in their feed. and
1: i just presume everyone googles me anyway i
0: mean it's <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. So look, just finally, um, you know, can you discuss maybe when we talk about PR, it's all about media and you've had some media exposure and I know that you're pushing yourself out there to get into podcasts and do a lot more PR as you are having a a million dollar clinic in in 2023 which is part of your goal let's talk just briefly about involvement in local community events and initiatives and and how do you sort of use that to build relationships and, and connect with the community
1: well this one's this one's always been really easy for us because because of what we do professionally then there are huge numbers of community organisations that will regularly need our advice. So uh, easy, easy for me, my, my, you know, I played rugby union locally. So, so I'm, I'm involved with my local rugby club. My kids play soccer. I'm, I'm involved there. Like, and, and with my staff, it's a big thing that I talk about a lot is the, the areas that you're already interested in. If you can involve yourself in the community there, then everybody wins like you're going to do it anyway they get access to you and you get the benefit of of amplifying the people by the effect of on the people that you can help so we we sort of pick our areas i'm not i'm certainly not out every weekend volunteering for all sorts of different things but i'm i'm involving myself in areas where i already am but with the added um skills that i can bring to it for the for the benefit of of those involved and then so, so I employ lots of people who like running long distances. They they're going to run long distances anyway. They may as well go and you know volunteer at parkrun and do all these sort of things that that they enjoy for some reason. I don't know why anyone would enjoy running long distances, but apparently it's true. <laughs> uh, and and they they can then help as as a professional in a, in a volunteer capacity, and then and then people get access to a physio and advice, and and again it just for for. That's sort of part of our values, I guess, in terms of uh, accurate and, and accessible health messaging. So if we're out in the community and having these conversations with people, that's same same as I think of it on social media. If we're talking about this is the way that things work and, and how you should think about yourself and what works and what doesn't work, then it's just another avenue for, for that. And and certainly uh, in physio, that's, that's pretty easy. And if you're not doing that, I think you're, you're probably... not serious about
0: what you do one final question so you're on track in 2023 to hit a million dollar clinic mark what can you what can we expect to see from you the clinic future health network all of it in the next few years what's the next thing
1: i'm not sure to be honest i um i I, we don't have a lot of time so i'm not going to open up the pandora's box of me talking about you know, me the future and different things like that, but I I try not to predict things that I that I have no business predicting. So so I don't know what will happen. I I just want to try and position myself and the clinic and and anything connected with me to benefit from the upside of those things. So, so certainly last year is trying to minimise the the downside. So the the unexpected events can go either way. So I'm trying to work to minimize my exposure to these things, but increase my exposure to what might happen in the future. So, you know, in terms of a clinic, I'd love another uh, another site somewhere else. Uh, future Health Network, I have colleagues in, in London that uh, want to, to have a course in London. I used to live in London, so I, w- I want to go back there uh, and get paid to go back there, if I'm honest. And then that's, about, so they're the things that I probably want, but but outside of that, it's just trying to make sure that we're positioned to make the most of whatever may happen um, and have some have some sort of goals and drivers to know that we're we're on the
0: right track. Oh, well, I look forward to seeing what you achieve next. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Dave Renfrew, thank you very much. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks
1: for listening. You're on the way to perfect public speaking with Jamie Abbott. If you loved this episode, please share it on social media with your friends and tag us at Jamie Abbott. You can check out Jamie's free resources and courses at jamieabbott.com.